the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Hillary Allen, your host for the running edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of running to bring you actionable training tips you can apply to your training. Make sure to also listen to our cycling edition of the show with my co-host, Coach Adam Pulford, which alternates weekly with these running episodes. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by the CTS Train Right Membership. The Train Right Membership helps you get the most out of your limited training time so that you can improve your performance and achieve your athletic goals. With the membership, you get access to science-based training plans, an 800-plus workout library, and an app to track your progress, along with advice from professional coaches via an online private form. Go to trainright.com backslash membership to learn where to start and use code TRAINRIGHT for a free 14-day trial. Again, that's code TRAINRIGHT in all capital letters for a free 14-day trial. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to the Train Right Podcast. Today's guest, we have Stephanie Howe. Stephanie Howe is a professional trail and ultra runner from San Rafael, California. Stephanie loves spending most of her day outdoors, preferably in the mountains, with her dog, Soren. Stephanie is a new mom to baby Julian, born December of 2020. Julian is already learning to love the outdoors while visiting nearby trails, peaks, and beaches with his mom. You can see these photos on Instagram. Professionally, Stephanie has a PhD in nutrition and exercise physiology and owns a nutrition business centered on healthy, sustainable nutrition for health and performance. Competitively, Stephanie has won races including Western States 100 and Lake Sonoma 50 and has podium finishes at many other competitive ultra races. Stephanie is passionate about the outdoors and protecting our earth. And she's an active member of Protect Our Winters, or POW, where she turns her love for the outdoors into policy. And so I know Stephanie because she's also a beloved teammate of mine. So thanks so much for being on here, Stephanie. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're we're doing this over, you know, remote. You're in California. I'm here in Colorado. So unfortunately, we can't be in the same place. But yeah, um, I wanted to dedicate this episode to kind of a couple things. So you have a PhD in nutrition. And so that's actually, I, I've, you know, I've recommended athletes to see you if they're having problems with that, um, or just, you know, want to learn more about performance and nutrition. Um, but specifically, I also wanted to link this into your journey as becoming a professional athlete and also a mom. Yeah. There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, so there is. Um, so, I mean, we can kick it off. I guess, do you want to tell us a little bit about your your um, practice and nutrition and kind of how you've blended that into your career of ultra running? And then we can kind of go into, you know, how you how you use your knowledge uh, to while you were pregnant and, um, you know, listening to your body's needs. Yeah. Nutrition is something that I've always been passionate about. And it's been a really cool thing for me to take 
my educational background and turn it into application and actually help athletes to eat better for whatever their goals are. And that might mean performance. It might mean weight loss. um, And it might mean just learning how to eat healthy for a sustainable lifestyle. And I love the challenge of learning like a new person, new goals and figuring out how to best have them eat to reach those goals. So for me, my background is nutrition and exercise science, and I'm really focused on sports nutrition. And that that is more than just what you eat during the run. It's also what you have, you know, surrounding training and what you eat day to day to help support recovery and performance. And it's really cool for me to be able to, to kind of bring my perspective um, from you know, being in school for however many years, <laughs> like 15. And then the practical experience from me also being an athlete and someone who likes to eat and cook and do all those sorts of things. So um, when I work with clients, a lot of them are athletes, not all of them. It's really about, okay, there's not like a cookie cutter, like, okay, this is how we, how we prescribe your nutrition. It's really learning about the individual and talking about food. And not talking about numbers, because one of the most important things to me is to help establish a better relationship with food. Because I think when you're connected to what you're eating, it's a much more enjoyable experience and it makes for a better just body image and um, relationship with food. Yeah, I mean, I love how you describe that, um, because I think it's so important in the world of sport Um Oftentimes, I think people, especially athletes, from a performance-driven standpoint, they can develop these unhealthy relationships, or you know, think of food in this kind of mathematical way. But there's also just there's there's there is that, but there is also another aspect to food that's very communal, and you know, understanding why you need to eat these types of foods. Um, and yeah, yeah and I, I love it too because it's obviously it's it's very individualized. Um, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because I think you know, there's not one. I think you know diets or this is and full nutrition, you know, nutrition plan, it actually, it's not, it, it's not so cookie cutter for everyone, right? It's, there's, right. A, there's quite a variety. And I think it's pretty polarizing when people start to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Nutrition is definitely not a one size fits all. And mm-hmm. I like to think of it um, as more of an art So Mm -hmm. you have the science that grounds you, but in application, you know, you have to treat it as, as sort of a, an art form, because Mm -hmm. as you just alluded to, everyone is different and there isn't like a a specific combination of foods that's going to make, you know, for great performance or for just feeling healthy. It really depends on the person. And so what I like to do is kind of give guidelines as to, okay, so what foods fall into these categories? Like what foods are carbohydrates? What foods are proteins? What foods have fats in them? Mm -hmm. And then within those, you know, those big ranges, you find the foods that make you feel best. So that's going to look different for everyone. And of course you need to get the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, but they can be found in a lot of different foods. So Mm -hmm. it's not so much as like, you know, a lot of people ask what I'm eating um, and then they try to mimic that. And it's like, that's not what it's about. <laughs> and eat what I eat, but that might not be best for you. You might feel a lot better eating 
like eggs for breakfast, whereas I'm going to eat a croissant with like some yogurt or something. And those are just random examples. <laughs> but it's, it, it is really individualized. And within the person too, it can change throughout the season or the training phase that they're in. And so that's why I try to stay away from like really solid numbers because mm-hmm. your body is so complex. And although you might need X amount of calories in the summer, in the winter, you might need something different. And it's better to yeah. just think about eating in terms of the food and pay attention to fullness and appetite cues. And that gets really muddled because mm-hmm. a lot of individuals have been trained to override those cues. So if mm-hmm. you you know, overeat or undereat, it's really hard to trust your body's intuition. And Mm. so there's a process of like getting back to that and trying to, you know, assess how hungry you are and when you feel full and all of that. So there's so Mm. much that goes into it um, besides just prescribing the right number of carbohydrates for performance or the right Mm. amount of protein. There's all of the the different layers of, you know, what foods compromise that and how do we know how much? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, fascinating though. Oh man, I love this. It's actually, uh, it's, it's dear to my heart because my, my father is a, he's a food science, human nutritionist, but more of a biochemist. So he comes at it from like the, the researching kind of how, you know, primarily lipids kind of, you know, interact in the body. Anyways, I love this kind of stuff, but I digress. Um, the the actually, I have a follow up question for you because this is kind of pertinent into the meat of the conversation I want to get into. Um, so you recently had a baby. This was your first baby, um, baby boy Julian. Oh, he's he's so cute. So if you want to see on her, on Stephanie's Instagram, um, you can definitely see some of the photos there. And and also for this this new the nutrition piece that we're talking about. Um, uh, I'll post in you know the the show notes of of this a podcast where you can find kind of links to to resources if you need to contact Stephanie for coaching or nutrition advice. Um, but how did your relationship with I mean kind of you're speaking about that intuition? Were you able to trust that when you were pregnant? Because I feel at least I've heard. I mean, I've never had a baby, um, but I, I I've heard that there's these weird cravings or there's these weird. Uh, I don't know, just these things that your body is telling you of certain foods to eat. Did you experience that? And kind of just tell us about maybe, you know, if if there are big changes in what you felt like your body needed when you were going through pregnancy. Yeah, there were big changes. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will acknowledge that pregnancy is a weird time and every right. every woman is different. And even the same woman can have different experiences pre- like in subsequent pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. the first thing for me was that I, so I have a a really good relationship with food and I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full, et cetera. So I'm not restrictive. And I think that was a good place to be going into pregnancy because it just allowed me to just not feel these rigid, I guess, rules around eating. Mm -hmm. And that was so helpful for the first three months because yeah, you, you know, you feel nauseous, you don't feel like eating. And it's such a weird time for trying to fuel your body because you know, you need to eat. Um, But for me, I didn't eat any vegetables for the first three months. And (laughs) that is sort of typical to just feel, you know, like nauseous and not be able to eat 
a lot of different foods. So I eat a lot of like chips were my favorite thing. Like a lot of chips, um, toast. That was like the first thing I had to eat in the morning, which is plain toast, hmm. a lot of saltines, French fries. And that's kind of it. The other things I ate were forced and I would try to eat a little bit of fruit every day, but, um, I have a sweet tooth just in general. And sweets were like the worst thing. I, I couldn't even look at ice cream or chocolate. So um, my advice from what I experienced and from talking with other moms is that those first three months, you just have to eat foods that sound okay. Don't worry about getting in, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Um, just eat things that you can tolerate because it's much more important to get in just some energy than to worry about what it is. And, um, as things evolve, I started to feel better in the second trimester. Like once you hit the second trimester, life gets a lot better. And during that point, I was able to start eating normally again and, you know, having some vegetables, having fruit, um, enjoying ice cream again. And I didn't find that it was, I mean, I, I'm not sure I believe in cravings in the, sense that we think of like, oh, I just want ice cream. I'm craving ice cream. It's like, well, your body probably is craving more energy and that's a form mm. that you really like. Right. Um, I think adversions when you're pregnant are more common of like something doesn't sound good. But in terms of cravings, I just think, you know, you're, you're needing more energy. So we tend to crave things that are more energy dense. And I use the word energy rather than calories because I think it's a more positive word association. Mm-hmm. So energy dense just means things that have generally more calories in them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, I mean, I, I did trust my body because I know that I have that good relationship. Now for someone who struggles with that a little bit, I think it is important to talk to someone or just be aware of what you're eating because you do need to get certain things when you're pregnant, you need to get enough protein. Um, you need to get enough fat, and it, you know, and carbohydrate, you need all of them. But I think it's just some people are more, um, they feel more comfortable with certain foods or certain food groups, but it's important to get the whole spectrum. So the other um, misconception is that you need to just eat a ton <laughs> when you're pregnant. Right. And although you do need to eat more, it's not significantly more. So um I didn't think of it as like, oh, I just need to like eat extra meals. It was just, I ate when I was hungry. And I Mm -hmm. think when women approach it, pregnant women approach it from that perspective, it creates a better, like your body just responds better. And then Mm -hmm. post-pregnancy, it's much easier to feel like yourself again. Right. And I mean, I love that because it's, it's such an individual experience. I mean, and I mean, this, ironically, when you're when you're saying something about that first trimester, you're kind of just eating what you want. It sounds like a little bit about like an ultra marathon when people are. You, you know? know what I want when I'm in an ultra is chips. Yes, it's very yeah. similar. When you think about when you feel your most nauseous, that's kind of what a lot of the day was like. Yeah. So maybe this helped you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew what what I could eat when I didn't feel good. It was like a long time to be feeling like that. And I like all the doctors and, you know, people are just like, Oh, after 12 weeks, you're going to feel great. But 12 weeks is kind of a long time. That is a long time. That is definitely a long time to feel, to feel very bad. 
And so can you describe, so in, in addition to your nutrition, I think that's a really good kind of sum up of your um, your relationship with with food and kind of your intuition throughout pregnancy. I think that's that's a really good example to to live by. Um, but what was your relationship with with sport? Because I mean, you are an elite athlete. You know, you you have run like it's not recreationally running what you do. So it's it's very it's at a high level. You train, you race, um, long distances. Uh, so. Yeah, when you were pregnant, can you kind of describe what that was like and your relationship with running or, um, you know, specifically endurance? Yeah, this is a great topic to talk about. We could talk all day um, yeah. because it's it's kind of this thing where women feel like they have to choose. Do you want to be an athlete or do you want to be a mom? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to have a career? And I just don't see it like that. And for whatever reason, (laughs) I mean, good or bad, I just never thought that I had to choose. I just thought when this becomes something I want to do in my life, then you know, things, priorities are going to shift and it's just going to happen kind of not seamlessly, but you know, I'm just going to figure it out as I go. And I'm really glad for (laughs) having that perspective because it's a stressful thing to decide to have a child. And especially Mm -hmm. when your body is kind of an important piece of what you do, because you, I mean, there's literally, you know, a year that you can't really use it because nine months, yeah, you you can be active, but it's not like you're racing and training. And then after you give birth, it can be a long time before you get back to regular, you know, running and training and racing. And so I think you have to know that those two aspects of yourself can coincide with each other. You don't have to just be a mom and you don't have to, you know, be an athlete and be afraid to go through this experience. Um, so for me, it you know, when I found out I was pregnant, my first priority was taking care of myself mm-hmm. and making sure that I didn't overdo it <laughs> with training mm-hmm. um, because I'm growing a human. And to be honest, that wasn't hard because I didn't feel great. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got out the door most days that was good. And then as I started to feel better, I think the second trimester was when it was like, okay, you just need to make sure that you always have water with you or you always have snacks. Just like, you know, the little things that when you're not pregnant, they don't really matter. Like if you bonk, fine. But (laughs) when you're pregnant and you bonk, that's kind of a bigger deal because it just hits you so much harder. So I kind of just changed my mentality of like, you know, training in a selfish manner. And it was more about enjoying movement. Um, I think the decision was in, in, in talking to other athletes, like the hardest thing, because you don't want to give up your, your sense of, of self as an athlete. But I think when we look at ultra running or a lot of endurance sports, they, they do, they are a mature sport. And so it's not like you have this, small number of years in your 20s or early 30s where you are in your prime, especially ultra running, you know, (laughs) you can perform at a high level as you're older. And when you're in it for the long game, you know, it's, it's really easy to wrap your head around like, okay, so this is a not, not a super short period of time, but like a chunk of time where I'm, putting my priorities, I'm shifting them a little bit. I'm still an athlete and I'm still, you know, a 
a trail runner, ultra runner. It's like a big part of my identity. But right now the bigger piece or the priority is like, I'm a mom and, (laughs) you know, I'm taking care of this little human who just depends on me for everything. And it's, it's really the most amazing thing. And I know that that athlete identity is still there. It's just like a little bit kind of how it is in the off season. Like, you know, I'm just like maintaining it, but it's a lower priority and it'll be, I don't think it'll ever be like my main priority again. Um, but it'll be like a much bigger part of my life. You know, they can go together. Yeah. And so how did you have any kind of confidants that you, that you spoke to, um, to help, you know, kind of make this, this decision or was it more of like an internal grappling? Um, I feel like it's, it's, it's good to have people to talk to, um, you know, other athletes in the sport. I mean, there's certainly athletes on, on our North face team who have, you know, uh, still remain elite level athletes through, um, through motherhood. Um, but yeah, was there anyone helping you with that decision? Not really. Um, I, I didn't really plan my pregnancy. Um, like I knew I, I didn't want to get to the point where I was like approaching 40 and, then starting to try and have it take a long time Mm -hmm. or not happen at all, because that, that is common. You know, you can't really plan it that well. And some people struggle for years. So I just was like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to not plan or I'm not going to not try. (laughs) (laughs) Just see what happens. And um, I did, I did get pregnant relatively quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't really talk to too many people about it, but um, before the fact, but Mm -hmm. after I did talk with a few friends um, and it, it was hard because I didn't tell anyone really until it was 25 weeks, which is about five months. So mm-hmm. I was very far along at that point, um, just because I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to, you never know what's going to happen early on. Yeah. So I think I wish that I had more people or there was more information out there Um mm-hmm. Because there really isn't. And I know Alicia Vargo, she's someone who's been, you know, pretty vocal about it and Anna Frost um, Mm -hmm. and Emily Forsberg. But Mm -hmm. besides those three women who I talked with a little bit, you know, there's there's not that much. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this conversation we're having um, will be helpful for people. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to talk to anyone about my experience because it was pretty amazing and I learned a lot. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's, there's just not that many women who have gone through pregnancy, had a child and then competed at an elite level following um, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And it is, there's a big, you know, there's a big balancing act too. Um, And so, yeah, what is, what is the information that you hope, uh, you know, that can be out there for, for women? I mean, I, I immediately think of, you know, some of these movements that are happening now, for instance, with Trail Sisters, you know, this basically there's a Trail Sisters approved uh, races um, that include, you know, having, um, you know, women being able to kind of start equally at the front with the rest of the group. It allows for, um, you know, basically pads and tampons to be available at aid stations. Um, it also allows for deferral for pregnancy. Um, and, you know, then also things like, you know, a, a woman's race specific t-shirt, um, you know, so there's these different things that it's trying to get m- more women feeling like they belong in this world of trail running. And I think a huge part of that is 
um, is pregnancy and motherhood and having examples of, you know, leading women in the sport like you, like Emily, like Anna Frost, like Alicia Vargo, you know, doing this thing and still, and still being able to, um, to compete at something that they, that, you know, they were good at before and they can still be good at afterwards. It's just a matter of, um, you know, placing, having, having these women as, as examples. Um, yeah. And yeah, what other resources would you hope that would be, you know, available or just having the conversation, you know, not be taboo? Uh, I, I think it's actually quite recently that there is, you know, some addendums put into contracts of elite level athletes where pregnancy wasn't considered an injury. Right. That That is a big one. And yeah. that's something that I think is, you know, we can thank Nike for that <laughs> or their, um, you know, how bad they were treating their female athletes and how that was brought to light. And now other companies have realized like, okay, we should have something set up. So having a pregnancy clause in a contract um, or feeling comfortable talking to your sponsors about like, Hey, you know, I'm pregnant and not having the pressure Mm -hmm. of like having to come back and perform. And I think that's becoming a more open conversation and, you know, just, I think (laughs) it's in the limelight right now. And so sponsors um, and companies supporting women are starting to really think about that and how they can set the the woman up, not just for the time that they're pregnant, but then post-pregnancy, like to return to running. So I can say that the sponsors that I work with have been fantastic. And I think that's something like... um, any, any woman who starts on, you know, starts as a sponsored athlete should definitely have that conversation, even if they're not in the place where they think they're going to be pregnant, but just, you know, like make sure that there is something set up so you can have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really an important step, a big step in the right Right. direction. And so were these part of your fears of maybe, you know, like when, uh, you know, I know you said you didn't really necessarily plan, you just, you know, kind of tried. Um, but was this part of your, like a fear of maybe, you know, trying to have a baby of figuring out timing in the middle of your athletic career? Because like you mentioned, ultra runners, I mean, we, we could peak. I mean, I think of, you know, runner like Darcy Piquet, who's, you know, 44 and she's crushing it at these ultra races and she's not slowing down anytime soon. Um, you know, and she, she had a baby, um, you know, early on in her athletic career, but, uh, you know, uh, how old, I mean, it depends, like the age, you know, that you have, that you have a baby. Um, I mean, then there's certain risks there too, as far as like returning to sport. I think maybe Anna Frost, she was maybe mid thirties, I think when she had her, um, when she had her little girl. Um, and yeah, that's something to consider too. Is that, was that kind of part of the, the not hesitance, but your decision-making? Yeah. I mean, you never know. There's so much unknown. So (laughs) like, you know, you just kind of, when you make that decision or, you know, you find out like that decision has been made for you, there's a lot that you have to think through. And one of the most important things I think is patience and like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of times you read about, okay, so after pregnancy, how do I get my body back or get that fitness back? And Mm -hmm. what I think is important for women to remember is that you don't get your body back. It's like, you're a new, you've got a new body now. And it's like, what can you do with this body? And it's amazing. It's different, but it's not something that you're trying to just like revert back to your old self. And so patience and knowing that it's, 
you're in uncharted territory because there's a lot of people who heal quickly and are able to get back to, you know, running or biking or whatever. And then there's sometimes like things that happen that prevent you from getting back to things as as you would like. And Mm -hmm. it's not a linear process. It's such a crazy, just like, okay, my body today feels great, but tomorrow it might not let me do much. And like having that just understanding of like, okay, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I can't just respond to training necessarily how I used to. And I'm speaking from this in an early on state. Um, it, you know, it's going to change as you progress from, um, you know, the time away from birth, Mm -hmm. but just knowing and having that understanding that you have to be patient with your body. And I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I think this is an important piece as well. And not trying to just, you know, crush, get out there and like crush training because (laughs) your baby is only little for so long and they change Mm -hmm. so quickly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just want to be there for that. And there's so much time to get back out there afterwards. So I think the patience is like the key word that I'm getting at here and just having a sponsor that supports that and doesn't, don't feel that pressure to get back out. And, and from a sponsor standpoint, and just from an identity standpoint, Mm -hmm. like prove myself, um, those are definitely like common things that I've heard. And I just, I'm glad that my mindset is a little bit different and I just don't, you know, feel that of like, okay, I need to get back to being Stephanie the athlete. I'm like, no, I still am. It's just that I am caring for a baby right now. And that's amazing. (laughs) And I'm not really worried about, you know, competing. I know I will. It's just like when the time is right, it'll happen. And Hopefully the time will be right at the end of August. We'll see. (laughs) It will be right at the end of August. Um, But you just never know. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, this, this relates to my question too. I mean, have your goals changed? I think you answered that a little bit. Um, But I, I mean, yeah, I think again, kind of circling back to one of these first topics that we talked about, is that I think women a lot of times they think that there should be there's a choice it's either it's either or, but I think the majority of the storylines at least of you know women that I look up to the most it's a story of and, right, and I think that that's that's really important to 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 highlight those kinds of things and I mean you've you've also mentioned your partner in in, in the conversations that we've had together Jorge like it's it's a team effort too I mean you know it's. It's working together and knowing that, okay, if you have these serious goals, well, then, you know, you're going to work together as a team to kind of accomplish them. But it also starts with you saying, like, no, I'm, you know, I want to to do this as well. Um, and this yeah. is also important to me. This is also part of my identity. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, having a supportive partner is key. And I think, you know, we we communicate really well and we've been on the same page of like, okay, well, our family comes first and like taking care of our baby is like, mm-hmm. you know, the most important thing, but we both have goals and they're ambitious goals. Mm-hmm. And I think this just takes, I don't want to say like makes them less important, but it just kind of takes the intensity of like the goal down a little bit because it, you know, <sighs> even though we both want to be competitive trail runners and to be honest, like he's hoping to run Western States this year. I'm hoping to run UTMB this year. Mm -hmm. And those are huge races. Um, I think both of us are also like, you know, we are going to not 
selfishly prioritize our training like maybe we have in the past and I'm more speaking for myself you know where it's like my day is scheduled around okay when am I going to go for a run and then everything Mm -hmm. else follows up right now it's like okay you know between feedings and when he's not busy when can I get squeezed out a run and Mm -hmm. I think that just takes that like stressful level of preparing for a race, it just kind of brings it down a little bit. And in a way it makes it more enjoyable because it's like, I can still accomplish this goal yet. I'm not stressing about like the little things. Like maybe I would have like, Mm -hmm. I only have an hour and I wanted to do a two hour run. It's like, well, whatever, I'm going to be back and be with Julian. And that kind of, you know, makes me really happy. Whereas in the past, if I had work calls or something, I'd be like, oh, shoot, you know, I missed that extra hour today. But I don't really feel that anymore. And so it's different. But I think you can still accomplish big goals without feeling like you're sacrificing your family. Yeah. And I love that it's all about balance. And I think it's, you can kind of, you know, it's, it's time efficiency too. It's like, okay, you just, you take what you get. And then you, you know, if you have a big window, well, and all right, let's do it then. And it's actually kind of, yeah, I think it would be kind of nice because it's like more of a surprise with training. Some of, some of the, the moms that I know here, you know, they're like, well, I have a three hour window. I guess I'm going for a three hour run today. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah you got to take the time that you get. And I, I, I don't want to mislead people in painting like a really rosy picture of like, oh, we're so we're doing so great. and Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Every day is hard. And like, you know, we, we're both sleep deprived at certain times and can snap. And, you know, like, there's days where I don't get to do what I want. And I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. But it's all just about like, taking it back to like, okay, you know, like this isn't, he's not going to be an infant forever. We're going to figure out a schedule and a routine. And so just Mm -hmm. kind of like knowing that in the back of my mind of like, I'm going to be able to get back to doing more. I'm going to get more free time on my own as he gets older. That's really helpful because it, you know, it, it is tough day to day. And I originally was psyched that, you know, I was pregnant during this time when COVID is so prevalent because there's no races. Right. Hindsight, um, it was a terrible time to be pregnant because it's you're so isolated. Yeah. And even right now, we're just being really careful because Julian was a preemie, um, not mm-hmm. by a lot, but he, you know, he's just a little bit more risk. Um, so we're just being careful. Like I don't leave the house except for to go outside and run or ride my bike. But I hadn't seen another human besides Jorge in like forever. And it was such an isolating time to be alone. So I think human connection, especially when you are tired and you don't feel like yourself and like, you just need to make that happen. So Mm -hmm. right now I have a goal of once a week to get out and um, meet a friend. And I uh, ride my bike with Kim Gaylord a lot, (laughs) another Bay Area local. And it's just been so good to to connect with people. Yeah. And this speaks to this whole kind of bigger thing we were talking to, uh, talking about is, is, you know, community. And I think, you know, your story and the example that you're providing to the community of trail running, ultra running, and just athletics in general of being a mom and still, you know, maintaining your identity as an endurance runner and, you know, returning to, to, to sport at a high level. Um, you know, that brings about community. And 
I feel like right now, of course, you know, we're, we're isolated a little bit more. Hopefully it'll get back to normal a little bit. Um, but still, it's like there's there's definitely connection and community within that. And it's kind of finding finding the voices and the people that, you know, you can be honest with, have these honest conversations. And the people that will be honest with you, I think that's one of the most important things in, I think, in the ultra running community in general. Um yeah, and a lot of those connections right now are virtual, and <laughs> even though that's not ideal, they're still really important. And yeah. you gotta find those people that you connect with. And you know, there's there's different people that are going to fulfill different circles or different needs in your in your world, mm-hmm. and that might be your running friends, and it might mm-hmm. be you know your <laughs> your mom friends or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you got, you need to find those people that are going to be supportive and that are going, you can connect with. I think that's the key because yeah, when you are alone and we're all kind of alone right now, you can't, you know, you can hibernate for however long, but at some (laughs) point it's like, you need to have, you need to have that social interaction and I mean, ultra running is great because there are so many different people, different Mm -hmm. goals, different lifestyles, um, Mm -hmm. you know, age ranges all over the board. And so there are, you know, usually people that you can connect with, with, within that community. Right. And yeah, it's just those, that, that support system that you they don't, they'll support you in those, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, being a, being a mom in the middle of your professional athletic career or, you know, doing, doing, you know, doing UTMB or Western States as, as, as a new mom. and. Yeah. So, I mean, before I ask a final question, I did want to ask how has, I mean, you're, so Julian was born in December. So you're, you know, a couple months into, you know, returning back to running. How has that, how has that been? Um, It's kind of just another story of remaining patient, but. Mm -hmm. No, this is something I wanted to talk about because um, when people have asked me, you know, how, how's it been as a new mom? How was it when you were pregnant? I've honestly said it was easier than I thought and Mm -hmm. that it's still been true. And I think it's because I had zero expectations on my body. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't like making a, you know, a training plan or a nutrition plan or sleep plan. Like I want to do six runs a week. I was, I just literally removed all of those expectations and just, you know, kind of let things happen as they did. And because of that, I think it just felt, I just didn't have pressure on myself and it went a lot better than how I could have anticipated it. In Mm -hmm. post-pregnancy, I think patience is key again and not starting too soon and not holding yourself to that. I need to get fit. I need to get my body back because you will in time, you'll, you'll get fit. I mean, you never, I don't think get your body back Mm. in the old sense, but it, it is a unique process of, of getting back to, you know, mobility. I, I underestimated the birth process and I won't go into too much detail here. <laughs> if anyone wants the details, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but I didn't realize like how um, traumatic it is on your body. And I had a, a like a vaginal birth and the C-section is a little bit different, but you know, walking after that was painful. And I just had no idea. I don't know what I was thinking, but I just didn't know that there was all that trauma. And so, you know, I didn't, I think I went for my first walk 
like, you know, around the block, like a week later. And that was hard. And Mm -hmm. so um, I kind of just removed all expectations of I want to start running at this time. And I didn't know when that was going to be. So I just kind of gradually started hiking when I could. And the first run I did was like at a month after and it was like two miles and it was like 1130 pace and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life (laughs) and it's just like such a weird thing when you're used to having like a 10 mile run at like a much faster pace be Mm kind of effortless and then to just have your body feel like crap after doing like something super slow and like not very far at all Mm -hmm. and just again removing that expectation of like you know, I, I want to just resume where I used to be. So I'm exactly two months, um, as of yesterday. So Hmm. Julie, two months old. Um, and I would say there's a lot of, I've made a lot of progress, but there's still a long ways to go. Hmm. And it's, you know, in being patient with myself and some days are a lot easier than others. Like I went for a run a couple days ago and, I just like can't run faster than like a nine minute mile right now. I can a little bit if it's downhill, but to me, that's like kind of frustrating. I'm like, what the heck? But then I just have to remember context of like, okay, you just had a baby not that long ago. Like you're breastfeeding. That takes a lot of energy, et cetera. And just be happy that you're out moving. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, every day is different. I, I fell actually on a run a couple of weeks oh, ago. It was oh super no. stupid. It was stupid. I was going <laughs> down a really steep hill covered in leaves and I just fell on my butt. And because <laughs> your hips are hypermobile, it just like jacked my SI joint up. And oh. it was, I couldn't walk for like 10 days. Like it was just limping around the house and just like, okay, you just have to be patient. This will heal. And it did. And I, ran a couple days ago and it was okay but it's just little things like that you just have to like have even more patience for it so it's like your body's still healing and recovering and um for some women I think some forms of activity come back a lot quicker than others and so just being open to that too like although running is kind of hard right now I can ride my bike pretty hard like I have a Mm. trainer um and I ride outside and that feels a lot better for my body than running does. So I'm doing a little more of that. And, you know, for another runner, it might be swimming or maybe running feels better. So you just kind of have to play around with it. And just having zero expectations, I think, allows that freedom to to experiment a little bit and not just feel like frustrated because (laughs) it's hard. Yeah. And this is kind of just with the whole theme. I mean, it's different for everyone. And I think it's, it's, I think it's, inspiring that you're sharing your story with how real it is because I feel like you know for some women it's completely different and for some women it's 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 even harder than what you're describing but there's a range of it and I think that it's just a good you just have to be patient and your body knows what to do it's like you know it will heal time 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 you know if you keep on working something that you love it 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 can and will get better but um yeah, I mean, I think I think it's super inspiring, and the fact that, of course, you're you're stubborn and determined, and you're not going to give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to give up, and I'm giving myself a little more grace right now because yes. yeah, that's, it's, a, that's a good lesson for 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 anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, rest is, is key. Yes, that too, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But so the final question I have for you, um, so, I mean, you're a coach. So again, you know, Stephanie's a coach with CTS. So um, yeah, I encourage you to reach out, reach out to, to her if you, if you're in need of a coach or, you know, separately for, you know, her advice on nutrition. Um, but what is your advice for moms or moms to be to balance running and motherhood? Yeah, I think first of all, remember that you can have both identities. You don't have to choose one or another, one or the other. You don't have to be a mom or be a runner or, you know, you can kind of uh, substitute career for that or whatever your goal is. I think they can go together really well. You just have to, you know, know that your priorities are going to shift. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second, I just think let go of the expectations of needing to do whatever it is, because some days you feel great and some days you can barely get out of bed. And I think when you just accept that and like, okay, well, today is one of those days and you just let your body get what it needs. And normally that's rest as athletes. We're really good at pushing ourselves, but rest is super important. And, you know, even though it might feel like you're doing a little bit more of that, you're also growing and caring for a human. So it's, you know, that's a lot on its own. So I think letting go of those expectations and then also just trusting your body. And this is a tough one, but literally like it's pregnancy is a passive experience. Like you're, you you don't do anything. Your body knows what to do. And even labor, it's a super passive Mm -hmm. um, just event until the very end when you're pushing. So yeah, your body does know what to do. And as an athlete, it's kind of hard to think about like willing cushing control, but you, you have to just like trust the process and really you're along for the ride. And some days are good. Some days are not good and there's nothing you can do about it. So the sooner <laughs> you can just like accept that and just, you know, that's your, your present. I think the better it is. <laughs> and then The third thing is, and this, you know, we could go in on another podcast for this, but like the, the activity, you know, what, how hard can you go? How easy, you know, how, how long can you run or bike? Like what's safe? I think that again is individual, but you have to just like really tune into your body and be honest with yourself. And like, you know, what is the purpose of a three hour run when you're pregnant? And I just don't, you know, if, if that works and it feels great, good. But I just think a lot of times that's not the best for a pregnant athlete to be trying to stay fit, mm. getting out and like, you know, maybe doing some intervals or going for a longish run that can be a really, I think, healthy part of a pregnancy, but everything should come back to the intention of like, okay, so why are you doing this? And what's your primary goal? And it should be like, you know, keeping your body healthy and safe. And and that does include being active. I don't think we need to be afraid to push ourselves. Um, you know, there's not much out there about doing intensity as you're pregnant, but, and again, everyone's different, but I felt that when I was on, when I was doing harder work, whether it be on a bike or, you know, hiking uphill after a while was hard work, I felt really good. And so just knowing that you have to kind of trust your body and just be honest with when things feel like too much or when you feel like you can go a little harder. And that's like a whole, a whole thing, like a whole can of worms that um, we don't know, like the doctors don't know. So trusting your body right. a little bit and with nutrition. Right. 
eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, knowing that you don't have to eat for two, but you do need to eat a little bit more. That'll just help, you know, when you give birth for your body to feel back to normal much quicker. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, maybe actually we should have a follow-up podcast with all the things that you've learned from, you know, (laughs) from yourself over in yeah. Yeah. And we could make it really scientific too, looking at the literature that's out there on pregnancy right. and um, you know, what is safe. But I I think I just think talking to someone other than just a doctor, and I don't want to I, I think talking to your doctor is important, but I think sometimes they don't know everything there is to know about exercise and intensity. And especially when you're an athlete and your body is used to that, mm-hmm. you know, if someone is sedentary and they're talking about like going for, or I shouldn't say sedentary, but someone who's like does a low level of activity, that's going to be different for them going for an hour every day than someone like, you know, who trains 20 hours a week. If they drop that down to like 50% of that, that's still 10 hours a week. Yeah. And to them, that's probably appropriate. But when you get that out of context, it's like, whoa, 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 you know, what are you doing? Are you taking care of the baby? And, and there's a lot of stigma around that. Right. Yeah. But, oh man, thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for speaking with us today. I think we touched about on a lot of great topics and yeah, I just encourage, you know, the listeners to to comment, ask questions, um, continue the conversation. And yeah, I think we can all, you know, learn from one another and yeah, support everyone in, in this sport of ultra running. So thanks so much, Steph, for taking the time. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me on. This is a great conversation. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk more if anyone has specific questions or wants to reach out. Awesome. Thanks for joining us this week on the Train Right podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainright.com slash podcast. You can find social links and more information from our guests. And you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. You can leave us a rating on iTunes there too. Until next time, hope to see you guys soon.